right, welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. We're here uh, kind of mid to late July, and uh, it's a lovely day here in Charleston. It's hot and humid, and uh, we've got Phil Weiss, who is a leader of customer success over at Cyper Health with us today. Phil, how's it going? Yes, fantastic. Also muggy on the scale here, Jersey City <laughs> slash New York City. Uh, excited to be chatting with you. Awesome. Uh, well, let's get a couple icebreakers out of the way, and then um, we'll jump into our, our topic for the day. But um, I think first things that I like to always ask is uh, if Phil had to describe a perfect Saturday morning, what does it look like for you? Love it. Perfect Saturday morning. I'm hopefully up pretty early. Uh, I've got making my morning pour over coffee. Start me up this point i like it for fairly addicted i have to admit it's like the one drug in society we're most okay with in the working world to be addicted to caffeine and uh i'd say it's going to be some combination of getting a workout in i'm into lifting weights and peloton nice and an empty schedule to either read or just explore intellectually I'd say um, my partner likes to sleep in a bit more. So it's those morning periods, particularly on the weekend, where I know I can just have absolute time for myself to uh, to learn, to think, to explore. Hopefully maybe get outside, make some breakfast after a workout, something like that. Oh, okay. So basically like no plans. Yeah, in, yeah. Where, in, in, my, in my life where I everything's so structured and planned uh, and time is so taken, uh, I need that time for myself. I like it. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm kind of with you on that too. Like I, I typically like the, the weekends, like the, those weekend mornings where you kind of wake up and realize you have nothing to do. And you're kind of like, Oh, it's just, I can kind of make coffee. I can kind of, you know, bumble around, maybe talk to take the dogs for a walk, that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, my wife and I, we just had a, uh, our first child and I'll tell you what we I'm on, like my coffee intake is like five X of like what it used to be. Like I'm, I'm so far on the addiction scale of it. Like it's going to be hard. Like if then I think it would be, it'd be really hard. Like I'm so far on it right now. One, congratulations on that. I think maybe I saw that somewhere, but it, I didn't say so. Congrats. Yeah. And two, it, yeah, it, it's actually sort of a problem in my way, in my mind, because I realized for myself, like my whole conscious existence really is on caffeine. And, <laughs> and I, try, I tried once a couple of months ago, actually, to go like a day without it. And I found myself, I didn't like how I felt and I didn't like how I was showing up. And yeah. so I immediately solved it with some with some coffee. And <laughs> I, I was honest with myself and said, all right, this is where I'm at. Yeah, this is, yeah, I got to do it. Um, all right. I like I like your your weekend morning, though. But um, the, all right. Other other question is like, what's the, um, you know, let's say you've got to cook a dinner yourself. Uh, mm. You're cooking for friends, family, what's like your go-to? Like, what are you making? What's, what's Phil making when he's in the kitchen? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if no one was around, it'd be eggs. I'm the guy that can eat eggs. I swear for like dinner every <laughs> night. Um, if I've got guests and an omelet's going to be a rough look, uh, I'm, I'm probably, I'm, I'm going to my go-to that actually I learned as part of, um, my team and I, like two years ago did like a cooking class and they oh, learned cool. how to make this dish that I, I repeat over and over. And it's, uh, it's like Mediterranean turkey meatballs with homemade tahini uh, in in pita with lettuce tomato cucumber and uh homemade pita chips that sounds super good i would go to that yeah. too. Dude, yeah. any, uh, i'm i'm like a i'm also like a 
kind of a bread fiend. Like I'll eat any sort of bread bread products. So like pita, I could crush, you know, all day, every day. There's a um, awesome Greek place that's like next to our house. And my wife and I have found ourselves ordering it um, so much. And I'm always ordering extra pita. I'm like, yeah, I'll just take like three extra pitas, just like toss it on there. I'm, I'm just eating that over, over like, you know, multiple days. Uh, and then like pita and hummus is like a huge snack. that's just always like packed in our fridge. So at some point it's just, I'll, I'll sit there and eat that for sure. Same. I, I, I actually... I make homemade hummus almost like every week. I'm not really much in the kitchen though. This, this two minute segment would seem like I, that's my minor. But the one thing I do do every week is to make hummus. I realized store made hummus really sucks. And I got a Vitamix and nice. learned how to make it. And it's game changer. It's basically like my lunch every workday. Just yeah. munching on sweet peppers, carrots, and some homemade hummus with everything but the bagel seasoning. That's on good it. too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I actually just went and ordered like a huge one of those, everything but the bagel seasonings off of like Amazon because uh, we use it so much. It is like the triple size. Uh, but yeah, we, you know, you, when you start making your own hummus, do you realize like, you're like, man, I pay like $6 or $7 for that in the store. And it took me like two cans of like chickpeas and like some other, you know, sauces to, for this to make. And this is like a, actually like a dollar to make. Uh, so like, I always yeah. think about that too. Uh, all right. So I like good. it. Um, well, I think, you know, the, the fun part, uh, to talk through today is just, you know, I think, um, we've, we've gotten to know each other over, over the last number of years. And I think, uh, naturally we, we always find ourselves kind of talking about, um, uh, leaders and leadership, like how do we, um, kind of find the next leaders in organizations and how are we building, shaping teams, right? Like we kind of have this, uh, responsibility, you know, as you become a leader in the organization to, you know, find ways to build connection, um, build camaraderie, teamwork, you know, you used to think about these things. And um, it's so hard today. It's like all digital, you know, everybody's going remote, which I think has its pros and cons, you know, it's like, I think everybody enjoys the extra time. Everybody, uh, for the most part, you know, enjoys having some of the flexibility to kind of do things around the house, maybe, or do things that you would naturally just stuff into your Saturday, right? You kind of get some of that stuff out and, and done during the week. But um, I think there's some kind of drawbacks, you know, when it comes to getting people connected, um, you know, getting people to kind of build some of those relationships that were kind of outside of those um, specific work meetings, right? It was kind of the, like those lost moments uh, of bumping into somebody in the kitchen, that kind of stuff. And so I'm curious, you know, how, how do you think about that? You know, you're you're leading a team of customer success managers, um, you know, uh, in your organization. And I'm curious, is there, uh, are there things that you're kind of noticing and wanting to do to kind of help bridge that gap for your team right now? Yeah, you're right on and it's hard. And it's like, everything is seems like it's all work all the time and there's a double-edged sword to have having the barrier for meetings to be so high you know we're really big now on agenda 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 and i and i get it and there's a lot of benefits to that but taking too far becomes like there is no space or, or it feels as if there's no space to not be 10 out of 10 productive and efficient and when you lose that you lose the ability to have some of the a bit more of the organic conversation where there's no real aim necessarily to incite or problem specifically to align on or create actions around, but rather to better understand who we are as human beings. And I think that's one of the the aspects that sort of all miss in the workplace is like we're all human at our core and we're all trying to achieve these business results. And it can be kind of delude ourselves sometimes into putting all of our efforts and energy toward like the business metrics and the projects and stuff when really like at our core where we as humans in order to get there like require so much else that sometimes can be missed yeah it reminds me of, you know so much of like a sports team you know and you think about like those great coaches that are out there like i'm um nba playoffs just ended 
relatively recently. So like I'll use that as an example, right? But like, I don't know, you think about like Steve Kerr and like the Golden State Warriors. It's like, um, I think your point, right? Like they have a mission, they have a goal of like winning the championship every single year. Uh, but that changes, right? The strategy and the tactics and everything changes. But like the the thing that sticks is that you need to have that figurehead, that leader that is helping everybody understand their role, helping to bring the right people together at the right times, um, you know, knowing the right messaging and kind of the the times when, you know, they kind of need maybe a kick in the pants versus, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, pat on the back. And, you know, you try and find what those things are. And so I think that's, that is like the hard part, especially when you have a distributed team, right? Is that uh, it's hard to read those cues um, teams when they're not together in the same room or in the same building. It's kind of, you know, a lot of times it's like, oh, um, I'd see, you know, my team every single day and I could know, oh man, you're, you know, hey, you know, Phil, you're uh, looking, a, looking a little slow today, not in a bad way, but like, hey, is everything okay, right? You kind of check in, you kind of know, hey, you know, oh, maybe it's something's dragging on you that you kind of brought into work today. And, you know, like you said, like we're all human, we, we do that. Um, you know, it's it's easy for you to catch those social cues, but then when you're distributed, it's like, I don't see Phil coming into the office every day, right? I can send Phil a message. I can like reach out, but at the same time, then, then it's like, okay, he's going to respond, but I can't see the the cues and some of the social things that you'd be able to pick up on. I think that's just the hardest part it's been for me is that you don't get that, um, you don't get that kind of look that you can kind of look across the room and see the team and, and be able to um, kind of pull that, pull that together. Yeah. And there's still, there's still benefits to that because like it, it, the, the distributed workspace enables people to have their own space to, to like feel negative emotions without having to put on a front or without worrying that people on their team or their boss are overly paying attention to, to those verbal or nonverbal cues too. And so in some ways, like even that challenge, like we've solved the one challenge of how do we not, how do we make sure give people space to not have to like put, put a front on in front of everybody when they really struggled, create a new problem of like, well, how, when you are struggling, do we have the right spaces and, and forums for that to, for us to understand and for us to talk about? And I think that's a big challenge. And one of the things I want to go back to that you said before, I'm also a huge sports fiend. And so on any intersection of sports and, and, and reflections on life, I'm going to dive into, which is you talked about Steve Kerr. There's an awesome book called the, the culture code and a lot of ideas uh, that I put into practice and think about a lot with, with respect to building culture within our, within our company is from that book. And, and the author talks a lot about Greg Popovich, you know, Spurs coach oh, cool. in, ter- yeah. in terms of, you know, before we got on, we were talking about getting together and, and alcohol. And I, in some ways I have a lot to say there because one of what Pop did a lot is on road trips, a custom is that he gets his team together. They go out to a nice restaurant and they bond over bottles of wine and, that's a whole other topic around like alcohol as a tool and technology for us to build trust and connection. And obviously that has its yeah. risks and, and and things to be aware of too. But he's also really big about, uh, you know, building belonging that way and challenging people on his team, but challenging them with, with love, challenging and loving them. And that's sort of a radical candor type framework too, if you're familiar with yeah with that with that book and the last thing he's really big on is that I appreciated from that book they talked about is he's, he likes to explore one-on-one with his with people on his team and really understand what how they see situations. And I think there's a lot we could learn from the way Greg Popovich coaches an NBA yeah. team in terms of how we build cultures with our teams. Yeah, actually, and, and even to stay on that last point, um, when you think about kind of like, I feel like one-on-ones have become a part of, kind of the business world right now, you know, kind of direct reports, you're, hey, let's check in, let's have a one-on-one. And, um, you know, I think 
it always starts with, hey, this is about you, right? Hey, Phil, let's talk about what you want to talk about. And then naturally, I feel like every single one-on-one that I've ever been in or every every single cadence, right, is naturally it starts that way. We're talking about, you know, Phil, what do you want to do in your career? What do you think about next? Like you said, how do you see certain situations? What are things around the organization that you're curious about? Uh, and then naturally it starts to, well, hey, let's just cover a couple of small things that I need to ask you about, right? And then that just forms into... Now the one-on-one is actually not about Phil at all. It's actually about the work that Phil's doing and like getting questions answered or, you know, kind of specific things that he can move off of his plate or onto his plate. And so um, I naturally find myself always having to like almost like reset the one-on-ones like every couple of months to be like, okay, no, this isn't about, you know, we can find other time to do that if we need to, but like, this is more about you. And so I'm curious, are are there ways that you've tried to keep the one-on-ones focused on, like you said, hey, you know, this is about you, Phil, this is about your uh, like my connection to you, your connection to our business and, you know, connection to each other, like as, as people. And so I'm curious if you've done that um, or, or done anything in particular that have like helped you in your one-on-ones with, with teams. I think it's, well, you're right on that without conscious effort, I think these things like trend toward, Hey, what's, what's the update on that one project or how's yeah. that specific risk that we've identified at that one customer tracking or trending because I've got to go deliver a reforecasting, a reforecasting analysis to our CCO and our CFO. And it's like, and, and I don't mean to diminish that because I, that, that intel and knowledge and forecasting is critical to, to set the tone for the business in a variety of ways. The business, which needs to exist for all the other things for us to even talk about here. But it misses like one, I think the, what is the other, what is my teammate experiencing with respect to work? Uh, in terms of like, what are they excited about? What is frustrating them? Um, what is a gap that is just like me, they, they need me to know they, that they see. Um, and the second is like, what are they experiencing in terms of life? I mean, like the visual of work is this dot and then life is this broader dot. And the, and it's we bring the same mind to work that we have in life. And I, I try and spend some time intentionally on every one-on-one and just understanding like what's new in someone's world. And it's, if I, if somebody audited it and said like, how efficient are you being um, in terms of the projects we're trying to drive on, on that particular talk track, you might say one out of 10, but it comes with how effective are you being at building trust and connection and putting a drop into the, Hey, into the safety to like, hey, it's safe to share about what your life, what's going on in your life bucket. Uh, that would be a ten out of ten, and I think that's a trade off, at least partially, like worth making in every one on one if you can. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Like, I think that's the um, it kind of gets into like what you were mentioning earlier, right? Like, that's kind of the stuff that ends up um, building great teams that can go achieve the goals, right? Like, it's not the hey, we're um, micromanaging Phil on every project that we're doing like that, you know, kind of goes the opposite direction of like what you're what you're ultimately trying to do, which is, hey, we all know what the shared vision is of like where we're trying to get right. We know we're trying to win this championship or whatever it is. And, um, you know, you're you're a part of that. You're on this journey. Right. And here's your role. Here's your part. And if you can feel confident and comfortable doing that and I can help you in that way, then like that's the that's what the, like the ultimate goal is there. Um, yeah, I always find myself having to reset. I'm actually about to go through and do it. So this is kind of funny to say it out loud, but like I'm actually about to go through and, and reset these one-on-ones for uh, my team because literally they um, have devolved into, hey, what are what are all the updates on these projects? And um, and it's just like on the top of my mind, I'm like, man, this week is the week I have to go do it. And, you know, I've got one-on-ones today and I'm like, I'm sending out an email, you know, an hour or two ahead of time that says, hey, um, just let you know, like I'm coming into this meeting and we're not talking about X, Y, and Z. We can find another time to do that. 
um, you know, let's let's talk about this. And um, and we also our uh, HR team is is uh, given us our people team is giving um, we kind of do this this mid year review process. So there's a little form that people can fill out and kind of have um, a couple of core questions that they can answer. And so that's a part of this reset too. Is that you know we have these questions that you can be um, kind of talking through. So. Um, so yeah, it just kind of naturally devolves in that way though. You know, I feel like I always have to like fight. Um, and the other thing I'm always trying to do is just think of like kind of insightful questions, right? It's, I don't know, nobody wants to walk into a one-on-one and have like the same, Hey Phil, how you doing this week? Great. Cool. Okay. Uh, you know, what's yeah. nothing. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I'm always constantly trying to find like just good questions to help probe, like you said, right? Like how can I just kind of get into different aspects and other things and, um, kind of ask about situations or ask about certain, um, parts of their life that'll actually evoke a response instead of just a, like a, a 10 year old, Hey, yep. Good. Hey, you know, good. Or teenage you know, type of answer. So um, I'm yeah. always thinking of that too, the types of questions to ask. Yeah. I think it's gotta be yeah, the same and the more specific, the better. And even the more constraining, the better. You know, I'm a big, um, what's the number one blank or what's the, the time recently you've been most blank. You know, like what's the number one thing you think like we need to do differently on the team or what's the time in the last couple of months you've been you found yourself most excited at work like really forcing people to to think of the of just the one yeah um, and, and really like allowing space for that exploration and then even another thing too is i think it's so big for important for us to ask for feedback but that is it's hard for our teams to share that and it's just to do everything in our power to like make it safe for people to share it and for and to uh, and to express appreciation for the feedback when it's said and often like being able to sit in a little bit of the silence or i had one situation where I, somebody recently was like nah, nothing and if you just read the transcript of their what they said it'd be oh this person has no feedback for me but the how this person said it and the sort of music there just yeah. kind of sat there for a couple seconds. Said, so "You sure? Like, it sounds like you might be trying to tell me something, and I'm really eager to understand, like your, you know, your perspective and how I can you know, support you better." Okay, well, actually, all right. So this one thing, and so like, it's it's nerve wracking and scary for people to share that, and so I think as leaders, we have to be very, we have, we have to be extremely approachable, and we have to have that that space of trust. Yeah, uh, to be to be able to hear it, because if I don't hear it, like that's my own detriment. Like, just because I don't know about what people think like doesn't mean they're not thinking these things like it's our job to help them bring that to the surface so we know about yeah it. a mute button can be your friend right actually like in, in zoom calls like if i actually tend to try and go on mute um when i can because then it even like if i'm on a, if i'm running a meeting or in a meeting um you know with multiple people like i still find myself put going on mute because a i talk too much um and b um if i can leave a couple extra seconds like you said a lot of times somebody will jump in right nobody really likes silence and there's somebody out there where if you leave a couple extra seconds they're much more willing to jump in and say oh okay fine i'll, I'll actually say this or I'll, you know I'll, I'll finally get my thought out there um or if like somebody's jumping from uh i tend to find this a lot too like a lot of times i'll look around at a zoom meeting and i'll try and identify the people that haven't talked and not to like call them out right in a bad way but like i'll look for them and then when there is a pause you know, I'll, I'll look over and, and be like, you know, like, Phil, did you, you know, did you agree with that? Or did you have anything else, you know, anything else that you're thinking about? But like, again, kind of inviting, not in a bad way. I don't want to call him out. Be like, Phil, you haven't talked, you know, like that's almost like the negative connotation of it, but it's like, Hey, if I can ask Phil a little bit of a question to hopefully get him off uh, mute and see if he has something to say, like, like you said, it's kind of inviting that response where 
you know, maybe they're not comfortable because like it's a couple of um, people on the call who are, you know, used to just talking the whole time and talking at each other and it's aggressive or maybe it's, you know, getting a little um, too dynamic. And so um, inviting that, like I tend to find a good thing as well. I think that's a great practice to do. And it really it projects an aura of, you know, hey, you're, your specific perspective matters, like person who hasn't, who I've noticed haven't spoken up and protects the Lord to everybody else. I'm like, hey, everybody's voice matters here. And I think that's true. It's true across the board. And especially I, I've seen in my world in CS, got a lot of high achievers, a lot of people who, who strive quite a bit and they're all well educated and extremely bright and have a lot of great ideas. And it's about fostering an environment where those ideas can be shared. Um, and surfaced, we're all better for it. And, yeah. and, and one of the things I was thinking about too is, and this, I, this happened organically, so I wouldn't necessarily recommend like, go out and do this. But what's really helped our team is I, I shared a framework or two from this book that I started reading called uh, Conscious Leadership, The Secrets of Conscious Leadership. It's basically this idea, the framework I was sharing was checking in with yourself with respect to, am I above or below the line at this particular moment? Above the line, in a good mood, openness to new ideas, eager for for feedback, below the line, defensive, angry, focused on being right. And, and we all have these moments throughout the day where we're, where we're up or we're down and it's flowing, continuous flowing experience. And I shared that, the team was kind of interested in it. And I said, hey, I'm, I got this idea from this book. Oh, what book? Oh, this book? Oh, that sounds cool. Long story short, we're doing a bi-weekly book club around this. And it opened up like exponential opportunities to explore some real serious topics about life that also absolutely impact the way we show up and think about work and the kinds of conversations. I mean, I'll give you an example. One of the chapters was about like sourcing approval and control and security. And we had our book club an hour after I delivered a, I delivered a training to our team on basically like my perspective on healthcare trends and happenings and, and themes and things we've yeah. got to be paying attention to at the macro level that our team is eager for. And like, is sort of a side interest of mine and relevant to my work in the health tech space. And I realized it, that, that book gave me space after that to explore with my team, how in some ways that training, I was like, so focused and worried about making sure that as a leader on the team, I'm showing that I'm smart and that I'm bringing value yeah. to them and like sourcing approval really. And it's a, if we talk about connection and trust and safety, it's about you know, share, like shared the vulnerability as a leader and shared connection. Yeah. And that space that I felt like I had to be able to explore that with the team. And then what that allows them to be able to share in that group setting is fantastic. And one of them even said to me after she said, Hey, it's important for you to know that when you're not perfect, because I was stressing about like without how it was going to go when you're not perfect, it shows everybody that they have permission not to be perfect too. Yeah. Thought that was profound. That, that goes a long way too. Like I, um, I tend to find myself if I'm like, you, almost like your concept right above the line, below the line, um, kind of thing. Like I find myself sharing that, um, kind of in certain meetings, certain people, um, but almost as a, like you said, almost as a way to kind of show like vulnerability, but also like as a practice of like, Hey, um, you know, like, Hey, this is like a 4 PM call that we're all on. I know it's like the end of the day, it's the last call I'm letting you know right now I'm dragging. So like, 
let's try and, hey, how do we condense this meeting? You know, I know it's important, but like, how do we condense it into like one decision that we have to make instead of like seven? Or like, how do we condense it into like one thing that we can focus on and so, you know, so that we can all kind of get the most out of this? Because, you know, we're just going to eat up the 60 minutes that we have and it's not going to be very um, beneficial. So uh, I've even found myself doing that too, because um, I think people also just appreciate that, right? Where it's not like I show up on, at like Friday on a 4 p.m. call and I'm like, rear to go about work, you know, when everybody else is thinking about the weekend, it's like, no, I got to be kind of a realist here, you know, got to um, kind of lean in and understand like what's, what the room is actually like right now. Yeah. Yeah. There's the, there's the recognition and the, in the, in the moment experience of being above and below that line. And there's also the recognition as like, everyone's going through something, you know, I know there's a lot of, there's a tendency to think like, and to a degree it's, it's true. Like the need to compartmentalize, um, I think sometimes there's too much of that pressure and not enough compassion and grace shown to the actual challenges that people have, like forgetting, wait a second, we're in a pandemic still. I mean, even just example from my world in the last couple of weeks, people on my team, one of them took their dad to the ED emergency department for the seventh time from post COVID issues. Somebody else had to put their dog down unexpectedly. Somebody else was at the beginning of the end of their long-term relationship and was struggling to understand how how to navigate that. Somebody else found out that they're expecting a child. It's like the up, the downs and the ups. Yeah. People are bringing more than ever in the remote space, the, the mind that they are experiencing their world in their life in are bringing that to work. And I think they are looking for a place that understands and supports that and shows compassion and grace to that uh, and feel like they can be heard. And um, I think that's just really important, like in our role to be conscious of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, Phil, this is cool. I know um, I like to keep these like short and sweet. So it feels probably like, man, we could keep going for hours, but like, for sure. um, I like a couple of things that we just, we, you know, we talked through just about, um, you know, how to, how to try and think about culture uh, as it relates to your team. Uh, some of the team building side, one-on-ones, even, you know, how do you make sure and kind of keep those top of mind? Um, you know, how are you inquisitive with your team enough that they can bring themselves to work and, um, you know, that it's not kind of a separate part of what they're doing. So I think there's a lot. Um, I know you mentioned, so there's two books that you mentioned I want to call out again and uh, yeah. make sure that we follow up. But so the culture code was, I think, one that you had mentioned uh, yeah. reading. And then the second one was the conscious. The 15 commitments of conscious leadership. Awesome. Um Perfect. Yeah. So those are two. I'll, I'll link those in the in the description. Um, and maybe maybe what we can get you to do, too, is like maybe um, we start riffing on some of these culture ideas and things that are happening and um, kind of put out a podcast episode like once a month or once uh, maybe even a blog or just about like some of the ideas or questions or topics that we're uh, kind of going down and exploring. So I think I think there's a lot of people that are trying, you know, there's not one right answer. And a lot of people are trying to figure out and kind of, hey, let's test something. Let's try something and um, looking for new ideas. So I think it'd be pretty fun. 100 percent. If I could say. I'm down for that. Two more things just to, add, to kind of yeah, throw yeah. off an, an exit here. One is this stuff matters because more people quit their jobs in 2021 in the U.S. than than people who live in California. And that's for many reasons, but a lot of it, one of the main ones is for toxic work culture, which you know, not feeling included, not feeling respected, et cetera. So, I mean, this stuff's core to that too is I did an inclusive leadership training over the last couple of months and I uh, befriended the coach and we had an awesome conversation and Basically, I asked him, like, hey, you you, you coach one-on-one leaders across the country. Like, you're doing this for 10 years. Like, what core themes do you see? What are the challenges? And I, what he said really struck me. Two things. One, challenge A, leaders pulled in different directions. It's time management and prioritization challenges. Bucket B, interpersonal relationships, like hard conversations, feedback, conflict, et cetera, at work. 
what I realized is those things are not really about the business. Yeah. <laughs> They're not really about the metrics we're trying to drive. It's, it's how we see the world and, and our, what is our sense making and our perspectives that we have. And I think that that's so important to explore further as it relates to culture and work. Yeah. Yeah. That is um, a really good point. So man, awesome. Well, Phil, thanks for doing this and uh, excited to see you again. We'll uh, I'm going to follow up and we'll, we'll do this again here soon. And uh, we'll try and turn some of these ideas into some other content because I, um, I think there's some good stuff in here. So appreciate it. Absolutely. See you. All right. Bye. Hey, everybody. Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Um, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon.